Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Hello and welcome to another episode of 1111 Talk Radio. I am delighted to have you here. Uh, It seems as of late that I have had a whole slew of books on death and dying and the afterlife as of late. I've featured a number of those in the last few episodes and also in 1111 Magazine. But it dawned on me that it might be a wonderful conversation to talk about how do we age well. And what does aging look like now, or how do we perceive it? How do we judge it? How do we embrace it? I know that as I am reaching my mid-50s, my focus on things has drastically changed. I've always been devoted to the journey of the soul. That journey began for me about 20 years ago as I began my 11-11 work. And it's given me this opportunity to witness life in a different way and really see things that I don't know that I would have otherwise seen had I followed the track that I was on prior to that. Offering a radical reimagining of age for all generations, psychotherapist and best-selling author Connie Zweig reveals how to use inner work to uncover and explore the unconscious denial and resistance that erupts around the key thresholds of later life. Attune to your soul's longing and emerge renewed as an elder filled with vitality and purpose. In the book that we're going to discuss, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, she explores the obstacles encountered in the transition to wise elder and offers psychological shadow work and diverse spiritual practices to help you break through denial to awareness, move from self-rejection to self-acceptance, repair the past to be fully present, reclaim your creativity, and allow mortality to be a teacher. Sharing a contemplative practices for self-reflection, she also reveals how to discover ways to share your talents and wisdom to become a force for change in the lives of others. I know that as I look at my own life and as I age and what that means to me and as I see my parents aging and dealing with different illnesses and issues that are coming forward to them, it's time to have this deep conversation and really evaluate how we are operating in the world and whether or not it's time to shift from role to soul. Welcome, Connie, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's beautiful to have you here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Glad to be here. It's um, a really rich and beautiful book. There's a lot in it, and and much of which um, really helps me to realize that we don't just have midlife crisis. We also move into what you call... Um, another type of crisis as we as we get older, and I found that very very interesting because so often we think about you know that point in life where we kind of shift our our roles and move into something different. But you're talking about late life identity crisis and how to deal with moving forward in our lives as we look at aging, retirement, and different types of things. Talk a little bit about the late life identity crisis. Yes. I hadn't ever really seen that discussed in the literature on aging or developmental psychology, Simran. But as I began to interview hundreds of people teaching workshops to do my research for the book, I found a pattern, and the pattern was 
people felt disoriented as they began to retire and lose their work roles or changes in the family and lose their family roles. And they began to ask that perennial spiritual question again, who am I? And this is a question we often ask at midlife when we tend to become aware of mortality or change careers and change roles, as you said. But in the late-life identity crisis, changing roles isn't sufficient anymore. And so there needs to be a really deeper exploration. If you hear the call, if you're asking that question, who am I now? What can I give back now? Who is my tribe Um, what is really important to me at this stage of life, what are my values, then that is an important moment for self-reflection and for guidance. It's a tricky moment, too, because it's so easy to fall into the places that I think we all go through when, when we're younger. I think there are certain age stages, our 20s, our 30s, our 40s. It really is about this outer world experience and what we can build and attain and the agendas we have and we kind of fall into the ego self and the different roles that we are here to play based on an outer world reality. But things do start to shift at a certain point and for different people it comes at different times where that look on the inside has to take place. But how do we not project the same types of agendas or the same missions, or turn our soul work into careers, uh, just like we have done in the past? Well, that's such a good question. And I think, you know, because our culture is so workaholic, and our doing is so valued over our being, and extroversion is so valued over introversion, it's really tough. It's really tough to allow ourselves to slow down enough to really look within, as you said. I think it's easier for people who already have some kind of contemplative practice or psychotherapy or maybe are naturally introverted. But for others, it really takes intention. You know, this is, let's say, um, someone is retiring And she's saying to herself, I'm no longer a CEO or a nurse or a teacher or even an artist, a writer. So who am I? And what's easy in the culture is to gear up again, the whole kind of reinvention movement, which I call aging from the outside in. Um, let's go do more volunteering. Let's go, let's build another business. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because for some people that might be, you know, um, the right way to go for now. But what I am saying is that if we continue to strive and identify with being productive the way we did in midlife, if we don't really allow ourselves the time for self-reflection but just gear up again, then we really miss out on something important. We really miss out 
on the emotional and creativity and spiritual opportunities for this stage of life. You know, I, I found, especially in the last few years of my life, that grief played an integral role to almost catapult me even further into my introspection and into the inner work that I wanted to do. And I find that to be almost a backdoor or a wormhole to make individuals stop long enough to really ask what matters or what starts to really make a difference in their lives rather than that external validation or that need to please or that running out for things. And so often it's the elders that came before us that go through illness or that pass away or when we strike something that causes us deep grief, and that might even be some of the midlife crisis roles that passed before. How have you found that grief uh, to be uh, an aspect of the process when it comes to aging? And what, what does that play in this whole course of our evolution? Well, when we lose someone we love, um, anyone we're close to, anyone who's precious to us, and we feel grief, we feel sorrow, we feel the absence of that person, it gives us um, a reflection of our own mortality. And when we begin to break through denial of our own mortality, there's a real alchemical shift that can happen inside. You know, if this person can die, my mother, my husband, my friend, my child, if this person can die, then, you know, what is my purpose here for the rest of my time? Because I will die too. I often say my conniness will pass. Regardless of what we believe about life after death, this individuality, this conniness will be gone. And so what is there for me to do here? And that grief is a reminder of the preciousness of the shortened time horizon. And people respond to grief in different ways, um, different timelines, um, different um, uh, action responses as well. But I would say that it can remind us, it can, refl- it can cause us to reflect that, okay, I am, I am still here. And what is there for me to do that I will regret if I don't do it? And I think that reflection, that question, what is there for me to do so that I don't feel regret on my deathbed, can really reorient us at this time of life. And as we look at those things about being reoriented and then start to evaluate our own mortality or our own aging, you talked about uh, having a dream and, and discovering the key tasks of late life. Would you share some of those key tasks that we're here to do that really are the premise of this book? You know, Simran, um, I, as I felt my own disorientation with retirement and began to talk to other people, I realized that there was no rite of passage in our culture to become an elder. 
And um, as I explored more and more, I saw that because I have a background in psychology and 30 years in practice, and also I've been doing spiritual practices for 50 years, I saw that there were certain steps that we needed to take to overcome the inner obstacles to aging consciously and wisely. So there were those internal obstacles, which I, which I call the shadows of age. And then there were what you're referring to, these um, developmental steps to become an elder. Because an elder is a stage, not an age, right? And so in order to really reach that stage, we need this rite of passage. We need to break through that denial of mortality that I was talking about so that we can actually do the inner work. We need to do some emotional um, homework, complete emotional unfinished business. And for some people, that's about uh, reconciling with loved ones, giving in or receiving forgiveness with people. Um, it could be about letting go of relationships that no longer serve us or trying to heal them. And for other people, it's about spiritual unfinished business, really reexamining our beliefs now and reexamining our images of the divine and picking up a practice, whether that's prayer or yoga or mindfulness or another meditation practice, so that we can experience how to silence the mind and explore how the mind works and connect to something larger than ourselves, connect to a silent center or pure awareness or consciousness, whatever we want to call it the self, or the soul. The names don't matter to me. What it matters to me is that in every spiritual tradition, it's taught that this is the purpose of late life. The purpose is spiritual evolution. And so we need to find a practice that fits who we are now. Also, you know, my training in depth psychology and all of my books on the shadow, Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow, have led me to believe that we can connect with our own unconscious minds and that that is also a task for becoming an elder. I call that shadow awareness. And we can learn to attune to our own shadows so that it doesn't act out self-destructively or hurtfully to other people at this stage in our lives. So there's a lot of material in the book about these various tasks, um, developmental tasks to become an elder and the internal obstacles to um, attaining them. And then what happens as we step into the, the elder archetype? We emerge into this new stage of life. And we're going to talk more about that after this commercial break. There are so many things that we human beings have in common. And one of the most integral happens to be that we all will age and we will all die at some point. If you're in denial, the emergence of these divine messengers, old age, illness, and death, trigger a profound identity crisis in us. 
They are gods or archetypal forces that carry the power to shock us out of the spell. They also carry the power to awaken in us an awareness of the fragile nature of our bodies, the fleeting quality of time and the end to come. Potentially, they awaken us in a profound yearning to shift our priorities, to turn our attention and energies away from the trivial and toward what is essential in life, away from the distraction and toward the inner life. This yearning stirs our souls with a deep restlessness, a divine discontent with conventional life, and a need for something more, which Dr. Connie Zweig calls holy longing. If we pay attention, the holy longing may lead us onto a spiritual path. Connie Zweig is a retired psychotherapist, former executive editor at Jeremy P. Tarcher Publishing, former columnist for Esquire magazine, and contributor to the LA Times, known as the Shadow Expert. She is the co-author of Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow, and author of Meeting the Shadow of Spirituality, and a novel, A Moth to the Flame, The Life of a Sufi Poet, Rumi. You can find out more about her at ConnieZweig.com. That's ConnieZweig.com. That link is also in the bio description on the show page. And when you go to her website, you will see a whole slew of events and activities that are going on, along with more about her other books. Again, that's ConnieZweig.com. And we'll be right back after these messages for more of what I read from the book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Dr. Connie Tweed will tell you that we're aging without a map, and we're going to learn more about that. But before we dive back into her beautiful book, The Inner Work of Age, and discuss shifting from role to soul, I do want to let you know about a special offer for 1111 Talk Radio listeners. I love my sponsor, uh, BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. They are giving 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com forward slash 11. So if there is something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, I urge you to look them up. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, which you get matched with under 48 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online, and there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available in your area. This service is for clients worldwide. You get to log into your account anytime. You can send a message to your therapist. You always get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a video or phone session. You don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, and there's no commuting involved. BetterHelp.com forward slash 11 gives you 10% off, and they are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they do make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials. They're posted daily, and you can join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Again, that's BetterHelp.com forward slash 11. Spell out the word 11. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And that is my wonderful sponsor, BetterHelp. The ego is so terrified of annihilation that it tries everything to deny mortality, building fortresses in all shapes and colors. The inner obstacle here is the mind's movement to regret about the past or fear of the future. Emotional unfinished business leads us to look back with remorse and wish, if only, or to look forward and fear, what if. This is from the book, The Inner Work of Age, and Connie Zweig has woven throughout it the wisdom from prominent elders, including individuals such as Ken Wilber, Krishna Das, Father Thomas Keating, James Hollis, Rabbi Rami Shapiro, and many more. She also offers tools and guidance to help you let go of past roles, expand your identity, deepen self-knowledge, and move through these life passages to a new stage of awareness, choosing to be fully real, transparent, and free to embrace a fulfilling late life. You can find out more about her and all of her other books, including Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow, by going to Connie'sWeek.com. That's Connie'sWeek.com, and you will also see a list of events that are coming up. Again, the book that we're discussing today is The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. I loved a passage in here that uh, you shared that was written by Ron Penvey, the author of Conscious Living, Conscious Aging. And you do say that we're aging without a map, but that there are models and guides from other cultures that do kind of 
support how we do this. And he wrote that for life transitions to become successful rites of passage, they require three steps, letting go, liminal time, and new beginnings. Can you share a little bit about these three steps and how they support us in embracing aging more as that rite of passage and that beautiful step of extra expansion? Yes. So we were talking before the break about the rite of passage as the larger context for this late life transition. And there are always three steps to a rite of passage, as Ron pointed out. So the three steps are letting go, stepping into the unknown or liminal time, and emerging renewed. So the late life rite of passage involves letting go in many, many ways, letting go of our roles, as we were saying, but beneath those roles are identities, who we think we are, letting go of certain activities, maybe letting go of the structure of our days when we retire, letting go of certain people, possessions, ideas, letting go of fixed ideas, letting go of um, our health as we begin to become ill, letting go of partners who may pass away, Letting go of, um, my husband and I just moved a couple of months ago. We sold a big house and moved to a small apartment. You know, letting, downsizing our stuff as well as downsizing our egos. So letting go can happen in every arena of life. In a spiritual context, it can be framed as becoming less attached to the things of this world, but becoming less attached internally as well as we ask the question, who am I? And really release a lot of past identities that no longer serve us. And then um, stepping into the unknown. So when we let go like this, and, you know, for most people it's a little at a time. It's not everything all at once and jump into the deep end, right? But as we let go, little by little, um, we face a lot of uncertainty. The term liminality means between worlds, between trapezes. So we let go of the trapeze behind us and we haven't yet grabbed onto the trapeze in front of us and we feel like we're kind of hanging out there without a net. That's liminality, and you know, during the pandemic, it's really been a long period of liminality for many people, a kind of waiting in a cocoon, not knowing when we'll come out, not knowing what life will be like on the other side, and that's analogous to what happens in this stage of life, Um, and I think as the whole of humanity has experienced that during the pandemic, it gives us a sense of living with so much uncertainty. It gives us a sense of um, this question, who am I now? Who will I be next? You know, I think that 
one of the areas of our lives we get so distracted. There, not only is there the denial, but there's the distraction that takes place with us in terms of you know the next squirrel that runs by. We kind of run after it. So to center into this place, you know, right now many people might be saying, "Well, I'm not old. That's not me. They're not talking about me. They're talking about my parents. They're talking about someone else." You know, depending on who that is. So I think we need to take a step back a little bit and maybe define what old means today or how our anti-aging culture is kind of bamboozling us into staying asleep about the beauty of aging and and that beauty of that rite of passage and what it means on a soul level in terms of greater expansion rather than the material expansion that we tend to look for in our Western society. Can you speak to some of those definitions of old or how you view the anti-aging culture? Yes, but let me just finish. So the third step of the rite of passage is emerging renewed. And that's the vision of becoming an elder and the nobility and the um, respect of this new stage of life. So, you know, all of this is happening in the context of ageism. It's happening in the context of a culture that worships youth and um, devalues old, devalues the word, devalues older people. Um, older adults live um, with ageism in health care, with ageism in their families, which age, with ageism in the media, in the movies and television ads, and we see lots of messaging about anti-age, um, you don't have to grow old, you can fix your, you know, your body with these products, you can live in a way that um, you're just like midlife, you know, you can be 80 is the new 50, as an example. So, for me, the longevity revolution, which has never, ever happened before in the history of humanity... We've never had a potential 8,000 days between retirement and frail old age. So the excitement and the possibilities about that for me are not about um, the age of the body, the chronological age. For me, chronological age is not defining old. What defines old for me it's state of mind, quality of awareness. So let's say we have two people, Simran. One is um, 55, and she's self-aware. Um, she's um, contributing to the common good. She's in her purpose. She's um, aware of her mortality. She has some kind of spiritual practice, and she's a compassionate human being. And somebody else is 85, and let's say she's or he is bitter about life and feels a lot of regret and feels paralyzed from giving love or serving the common good. So we could say that that 55-year-old is an elder, but that 85-year-old is not. 
that 85-year-old is old but not an elder because developmentally that person hasn't moved through the stages we're talking about, the rite of passage, to become an elder. And so the possibilities here for continuing our development into this stage of life are unprecedented, and that's what's so exciting. I think we could say old is in the eyes of the beholder, right? We don't know what old is anymore. There, is, um, there are more and more people who are really thriving in this stage of life and turning within, as we're talking about, and extending their development along with their extended longevity. And there are other people who are not, and they're aging differently, and that's okay. You know, they have a different, um, a different fate, a different orientation to this time. But I'm, I'm asking people to listen for the call within. Listen for the divine discontent, the restlessness, the longing for something more. And if you hear that whisper or feel that restlessness, then you can find guidance in this book. You can find a way to um, age into higher stages of awareness. I think that you're speaking so much about spiritual maturity, especially with that example, because it really, the spiritual maturity has to do with really diving in and getting to know oneself, finding the inner authority and the soul resilience that has existed there and allowing oneself to expand that. I love uh, what you shared in regard to uh, Rabbi Rami Shapiro's statement in regard to his spiritual practice. And he said that Jewish mysticism suggests that we do one practice for each of the five dimensions of life. For the body, he does Qigong. For the heart, he does meta-compassion practice. For the mind, he studies sacred texts. For the soul, he practices a mantra, and he practices self-inquiry. And that's how he describes it as a multi-dimensional type of experience. In the book, you talk about that aging is not multi aging is not one dimensional. It is multi dimensional, and it's full of opposites. Uh, talk a little bit about that. We have about three minutes before the break. If you'll talk a little bit about the multi dimensionality of aging from your perspective. Yes. Well, Rami does a spiritual practice for every dimension of life, so that his development is integrated and. He's not only developing, let's say, spiritually, he's also developing morally, emotionally, creatively. Um, You know, the opposites are, if we think about it, we feel young and yet we feel old. We feel um, some victory and yet we feel some defeat. We feel some letting go that we spoke about, and yet we feel some holding on, right? We feel some gain, and yet we feel loss. Um, We feel acceptance, and yet we feel striving. And so these opposites are important to acknowledge, I think, in this time 
when we have the time for self-reflection and not to kind of split off one and bury the other in the unconscious. So in the context of aging research, it used to be that there, there was a decline narrative. Aging was all bad. We'd just go downhill, right? After 50 or 60, we just declined, and it was all bad. And then there was the positive aging movement, and it became all good. No problems, you know, not holding those opposites of the possibilities and the challenges of aging. And so I'm suggesting let's hold the complexity here, the whole truth. Let's hold the whole truth. It's not easy to go through health crises and losses. And at the same time, I'm meeting people every day who are creative for the first time in their lives. They, they leave business and they become a painter or a sculptor. I'm meeting people who, you know, may have a difficult diagnosis and yet they are teaching for the first time. They always wanted to be a teacher and now they're teaching something or mentoring young people and just loving it. And so they're holding the whole truth of this stage of life, that there are possibilities and there are challenges. And that's really um, an expansive awareness to hold opposites like that. Offering a radical reimagining of age for all generations, psychotherapist and best-selling author Connie Zweig reveals how to use inner work to uncover and explore the unconscious denial and resistance that erupts around key thresholds of later life. For some that are called to retire, this is a divine messenger, a force that awakens in us a yearning for something more, a holy longing to transcend a role, an identity, or a purpose, and to connect with something larger. It invites us to cross a threshold and change our lives from the inside out. This is from her book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, I invite you to find out more about her by going to Connie'sWeek.com. That's C-O-N-N-I-E-Z-W-E-I-G.com. You'll find many of the events that she has coming up, and you'll also see that she is the author of additional books, Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow Among Them. Again, the book we're discussing today is The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. We'll be right back with more of Connie's Week after these messages. want more more joy more abundance more power and presence how would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation shift your mind expand your heart deepen insights let go and chart a new course dream a new dream the 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com.
Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Many of us grow up having ideas about aging. Perhaps we saw individuals in our families age and made up that that's what aging looks like. We've made up ideas about what it means to, to get older, to perhaps get sick, or what death even looks like. So it's an opportunity for us to rewrite our consciousness and expand what we view as aging and mortality to determine the choices and the steps that we want to take from here to establish our new beginnings and to step into this rite of passage in a very elegant and majestic way. There are so many parts of us that we are here to discover and aging is one of those opportunities to do just that. Well, it also lets us discover some of the divine messengers that show up. Illness, affliction of the body and soul can be life-altering. It has the potential to reveal the most fundamental conflict of the human condition, the tension between our infinite glorious dreams and desires and our limited, vulnerable, decaying physicality. In the shadow, no number of trophies can quiet this internal contradiction. No amount of anti-aging products can resolve this existential paradox. No amount of positive thinking can crack this koan. It is given to us as part of the whole truth, a truth we are all to discover at some point. This is from Connie Zweig's book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Uh, Find out more about her at ConnieZweig.com. She's got other books in addition to a lot of other events. I want to touch on a few different points, Connie, in this segment Um, One thing I want to go back to is something you said in the first segment where you mentioned introverts and extroverts. Do they age differently? Um, It's not so much about aging differently, I think. There's, um, you know, people who are very extroverted get their energy, their juice, from going outside of themselves, going to other people and being related um, going to stimulating activity, and that's what feeds them. And people who are introverted get their juice from going inside, 
to the inner world, to quiet and solitude. Um, and so, as you can imagine, that those two orientations to life may be um, may shape our late life identity crisis a little bit differently. So. In midlife and beyond, as we move into, you know, what we're calling aging, which is a little tricky because it's, it's not a year. You know, it's a long stage of life, different times for different people. But you can imagine that um, two people with those two different orientations might experience that differently, might be shaped by um, the call to go in or the call to go out it differently. And you know, again, um, more, and again, go ahead. that's only, you know, we're much more complicated than that, right? I mean, we have a lot more tendencies and traits and um, uh, innate talents and so forth than just introversion and extroversion. So it's more complicated than that as well. Of course. There's a show that has just begun airing again. It is, and just like that, and it is the Sex and the City uh, show that has returned. And in the last few days, there have been quite a few articles online about the backlash that the women are getting because they have aged. They're now depicting women in their 50s as opposed to the women in their 30s. What does that say about our collective shadow of ageism? Yes. I actually watched the first show and I was really repelled. I thought that the context wasn't only ageist, but they were ageist against themselves. And that's what I call the inner ageist, the part of us that dislikes or denies our own age. And so we make jokes about it. We feel uncomfortable. We even may feel shame. And there was a sense to me in the way that script was written that um, the women were no longer quite comfortable in their own skin. Um, And then they ended that episode with a death of a crucial character. So I felt that it was not communicating... um, Say, for example, in the way that Grace and Frankie has done, that mm-hmm. is, that's an amazing show with an incredible script that deals with aging in every single episode, but um, does it, I think, with more intention. And the characters are much more fully developed. They're, they're not so kind of materialistic and, you know, still into shoes. Right. They yeah, they definitely embrace embrace where they are, embrace who they are in, in Grace and Frankie. Let's talk a little bit. Um, I love uh, when I read about Krishna Das and what he said in regard to sometimes the spiritual work can even polish our ego-centered beliefs uh, rather than okay. really being this deep dive. So as as individuals you know, move towards retirement or they have that moment where they realize I need to move and shift more into an introspective way or I've got to develop a, a spiritual practice, what do we do with the ego? Does the inner work then allow individuals to recognize that ego a bit more so that, so that they can stay on track for their soul self as opposed to 
uh, slipping unconscious again and, and falling back asleep around the behaviors. You know, there are a lot of tools in the book for, I would say, completing the ego story. So, for example, life review. When I did my life review, I saw so many patterns and synchronicities that I hadn't ever recognized as I was living in the immediate moments of my life. And it, I could feel my ego shift in the sense of, in earlier years, I really believed my ego was in control. And, it, it, you know, its agenda was running my life. And I could see from the long view, after doing my life review at 72, that my ego was never in charge. That's kind of a myth that we live with when we're young, and we're building empires, right? And we're creating businesses and families and careers and so forth. So for some people, the ego, uh, for everybody, the ego is necessary in this culture. The conscious personality is needed to be able to operate in the world. Um, It's not the enemy. But what happens if we want to live... um, a deeper and more spiritual life later, then the ego needs to take a different place. It needs to be relativized in relation to a transpersonal center, in relation to the self, the higher self, spirit, whatever we call it. I call it pure awareness. In relation to that, the ego needs to be, to take a back seat. It doesn't disappear there may be there are moments when we need the ego, but it's like a Sufi story that I tell in the book where the master leaves the house and he leaves the servant in charge, the butler. And after many years, the master returns, and the butler, who's the ego, won't move, won't won't release control to the master because it now identifies with being in charge. And so that's what's happened, you know. We've come to believe, as Ramdas put it, that we're somebody. And that somebody is, is going to resist getting out of the way for the higher self, for the master of the house. So if you, um, you know, if you want to do this inner work, if you have a psychological or spiritual orientation, then there are many practices in the book for kind of relativizing the ego. And for some people, this happens naturally. I watched that with my father, who was really an egomaniac, but in his 80s, he dropped into his heart. He became very empathic and emotional and open and it, it just happened naturally. He didn't do any kind of practice. So that's a framework that we can use to see people's development, and it's also um, a practice that we can do if, if that's of interest to us. And within that life review section, you talk a bit about emotional repair as well as creative repair. Uh, We have just about two minutes left. I'd love for you to speak a little bit on those two. Well, once we review our lives, it's kind of natural to see where we got stuck 
or what needs to be repaired. And so um, there's there's a kind of effort in a lot of older adults toward making meaning of the past. And as we do that with a life repair, we may then want to reconcile with people, Um, whether it's writing a letter or having a conversation, expressing gratitude, expressing hurt, um, giving forgiveness, and so on. And we can do the same thing with creativity. When we see a creative dream that we may have sacrificed in order to raise a family or earn money, we can reclaim that creative dream now or a talent that may have been lost, a gift, as we had to earn a living. We can reclaim that creative gift now And I'm speaking to so many people who are writing that novel that was a lifelong dream or the memoir or painting. My literary agent left the business world and she's a full-time painter now or sculptor. Um, And so reclaiming our creativity, our dreams, I call it finding the gold in the dark side because those dreams were banished into the shadow. And now we have the time to explore them. And that's another precious um, opportunity for this stage of life. And is that part of what becomes the spiritual practice of retirement? You have a whole section on retirement within the book and how that can really be a beautiful path, a whole new path of life and aliveness. Yes, it can be a rite of passage, right? Letting go stepping into the unknown and emerging renewed. And it may take different forms for different people. You know, for some people it can be about emotional repair or creativity or spiritual practice and shifting from role to soul. And with that, we are going to finish up our show. Thank you so much, Connie, for being on the show for giving us those teasers I invite you to explore her book The Inner Work of Age Shifting from Role to Soul and finding out more about aging about spiritual practice in retirement about illness as a divine messenger and so much more as each of us chooses not to merely grow old but to grow whole to intentionally step across the threshold and become an elder we discover that aging can be a spiritual path the foundation for our late life development has been described in every spiritual tradition as ego transcendence a shift in identity from butler to master from a separate sense of self to transcendent universal sense of self This is from the book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul by Connie Zweig. Again, go to her website, ConnieZweig.com. Until next week, I am Simran. In love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.